This is the Gopher Puck Live podcast, episode number 15, recorded Tuesday, February 7th, 2012. Welcome to the Gopher Puck Live podcast, along with Hammy and Cardinal, I am your host, Jupiter. Well, after taking a week off, just like the team did, and also not having Cardinal on the show for almost a month due to him becoming a father, we are now back at full strength. Boys, how are you? Not too bad. I'm good. You're good? I mean, that's all you're going to say? Tired and good. Tired and good. Well, why don't you give us an update? You know, obviously we announced it on the podcast quite a few weeks ago, and actually that day you had become a father. Why don't you tell us what's going on? Yeah, three weeks ago today. So he's uh, yeah, a little bit over three weeks now. And yeah, we, uh, you know, it's obviously our first kid, so nothing uh, <laughs> really to compare it to, except, you know, you hear kind of from other people. But yeah, he's a good kid. He sleeps for the most part, although he might make a guest appearance during this at some point. Hopefully not. But uh, yeah, you know, he's doing well. He eats a lot, sleeps a lot, and kind of does his thing. But he's definitely. Uh, bigger and more awake and aware and all that kind of stuff even compared to you know a couple weeks ago or 10 days ago even it seems so yeah he's uh he's doing well i just i see you've been uh tweeting a couple pictures of him of watching sports already so i see you already got him going down the right way oh yeah we got the uh the gopher onesies and uh yeah so yeah he's uh he's watched the super bowl and uh <laughs> yeah you know you gotta steer him in the right direction early although with me as the dad that shouldn't be uh too much of an issue when it comes to watching and liking sports hopefully so. uh, when i had our first you know i used to watch the gopher hockey games with my youngest right on my lap sound asleep i'd start yelling for a goal never made a sound never woke up so hopefully that's the same for you yeah we had uh well bert ibm or no just bert now i guess on the board uh, him and his wife they were over for the Saturday St. Cloud game, and he, the little guy, was asleep. So the four of us were watching, and one of the Gophers had that three on one, and we all like started to yell, and then the kid was down there, and so we all did like kind of the abbreviated scream and happiness. So uh, yeah, he slept through it, but uh, he was a good luck charm, I guess. So yeah, they have a what? They have a pretty what three and one since he's been born. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that trend continues. Well, speaking of that St. Cloud series, that was the last one that the Minnesota played uh, before the little break here. Obviously. Um, Hammy, you, you predicted a sweep, and our, our guest who was on the show, Jess Myers, picked the sweep, but it was not an easy sweep. I mean, they seemed to dominate at times, but, man, their <laughs> goalies were good. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's one of the things that we always talk about, you know, the goalie position being the great equalizer. Uh, no matter what, you, you know, the other positions, you know, if the other team has the advantage, you know, if your goalie's – you know, having a hot night, you, know, you can always keep the uh, games close. And I think that that series was sort of a, you know, in a nutshell, that kind of a situation. I mean, the Gophers, uh, for the most part, I was pretty happy with how they played, uh, especially, you know, at that road game up in St. Cloud. I, you know, they pretty much dominated a lot of that game. And uh, But, yeah, you have to give uh, Mike Lee and uh, Farragher, you know, some credit as far as, you know, having good performances and, um, but yeah, it was definitely a successful weekend in the end, you know, I, I kind of scoff a bit. I mean, yeah, St. Cloud's shorthanded, you know, and that, that's going to play a part in it. But, you know, I thought some of the fans here or there might have been a little bit, uh, you know, thinking that we were just going to roll over them, you know, and, and, you know, I suppose in some cases we did, but, uh, you know, on the scoreboard obviously is what counts and uh, you have to give the goalies credit. 
Yeah, the Saturday game was, I mean, obviously the Gopher teams of the early to mid-2000s when they, you know, back when the WCHA was a little bit more lopsided in terms of the haves and the have-nots. I mean, you'd see performances like that in terms of not necessarily the score, but, you know, the ice being tilted and the shot margin. I mean, you'd see that pretty frequently against, you know, Tech and Anchorage. But for the Gophers to dominate territorially on Saturday night the way they did, um, like Cammy said, I mean, yeah, St. Cloud's a little bit shorthanded. But, um, you know, I think the biggest takeaway I had actually came from the Friday night game. And, you know, it was kind of an ugly game the first half or even a little bit more. But, um, you know, right away after the game, Bob Motzko, he, you know, credited the Gophers for, you know, being a different defensive team this year than they have been in years past. And, you know, you really saw it in that game. And, you know, just the little things the team does, whether it's, you know, blocking shots or coming back hard. And he, you know, Motzko talked about how they were just aggressive to get in the shooting lanes to block shots. And they weren't, you know, kind of going in with the flamingo feet and putting one foot up. I mean, this team wants to block shots. They want to get back and, you know, face-offs. That's another thing. I mean, I know I've harped on it for years now, but, you know, they dominated the face-off circle both nights. And, again, these are just these little things that the team kind of seems to have gotten away from in recent years. And I think that's really awesome. Um, you know, now they're doing the kind of things you need to do to win in the postseason. So, um, you know, to be top five defensively in the country with, you know, granted they have a really good goalie, but a defensive core that, you know, has had its issues, been very young, but at the same time, you can't argue with what they have. So I think between, you know, having such a solid back end and the team doing the little things, I think that's, you know, really gearing them up to have some postseason success. And that well, is, yeah. oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, that uh, you know, the defensive play, I, I I think I said it either on the last podcast or the one before that. I really believe that that's a really overlooked and underestimated part of the Gopher, you know, team this year. They, you know, you certainly Patterson is, you know, a very good goalie, but if you look at his save percentage, it's not, you know, out of this world like compared to other teams yet defensively, you know, as far as goals allowed, the Gophers are among the best in the country and um, at some point you do have to say it's more than just the goalie and you know, as their team defense two weeks in a row now has been very, you know, has been complimented greatly by the opposing coach for the week before against Colorado College. I know Scott Owens was very complimentary of the Gopher, you know, team defense. So you kind of have to start looking at that. And, of course, it's going to be very important when we get to the uh, playoffs and, uh, you know, down the stretch that you kind of have that kind of defense. Well, they gave up 12 shots Saturday night against St. Cloud in St. Cloud. I don't recall them ever doing that i mean obviously st cloud did get tired out a bit at the end there but 13 shots in a in a place where it can be pretty rough to play a game uh, that's pretty good thing yeah i mean you know like we, we talked about you know to be fair st cloud you know doesn't have their you know a lineup in there with uh some guys being out or having left early but um you know you saw them kind of pretty much going to wisconsin this past weekend and you know, take it to the Badgers. So at, at the same time, you say to yourself, well, you know, they have the capability of, you know, being a good team, even if they're shorthanded. So you, you do have to give the Gophers some credit in that sense. Yeah, and I was going to kind of touch on the same thing. I mean, St. Cloud's obviously been up and down, and they got a little nicked up even in the Gophers series. But you look back in the series leading up to that, I mean, they split against Denver, Western Michigan, they split, split against Colorado College, split against North Dakota. So they're playing, you know, top 15, maybe, you know, sometimes top 10 teams nationally and, you know, definitely holding their own. So despite the fact that they are, you know, pretty banged up, they've been doing really well outside of the Gophers series. And like Hammy touched on, 
going to Wisconsin, and that was a Badger team that you thought would be, you know, pretty desperate coming off the heels of, you know, getting swept by North Dakota and kind of needing to save their season in a sense. And, you know, I watched the Friday night game, and that was a, you know, complete abortion for the Badgers. But, you know, give St. Cloud credit. They played really well out there and to hold, you know, Wisconsin to two goals on the weekend. So maybe, you know, instead of bashing St. Cloud, we just need to do more, you know, not we as us in the podcast, but just people in general, just do more praising the Gophers and the fact that they played two really solid games and got to critical four points. Now, uh, Saturday night, uh, someone we haven't heard from since very early in the season pretty much bailed us out. Uh, Sam Warning, uh, that was a big goal for him Saturday night. Uh, hopefully it kind of pushes him along, you know, and gets him scoring again. But you could really tell the way he celebrated that he needed that goal, not just for the team, but for himself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, you hear about it in sports all the time about how, you know, momentum and, uh, you know, confidence can be, you know, a fragile thing if you're, you know, in both directions. I mean, it can certainly doesn't necessarily need to take much to uh, get you on the right, you know, paths. And so hopefully that is for him. He was very good in the USHL last year. He scored some goals and I, you know, had a lot of good reports on him um, from some of the other player parents that, you know, their kid played him. And, uh, you know, I just think that he's got that capability, but, you know, he had that stretch of time where he just didn't wasn't getting anything done and I think he was really just lacking confidence and uh you know when you have that happen especially your freshman year it can be difficult to regain so like you said hopefully uh that you know game-winning goal will keep him uh you know on the right track now yeah and I think in general too just that line I mean not just him I mean, obviously you look at the three guys he's played with for the majority of the year with Hanson and Hola um, you know warning's going to be third and every time you talk about the success of that line I mean those other two guys are going to have to kind of carry the mail and um, you know those two their play has kind of dropped off but both Hanson and Hola I thought played really good series um, against St. Cloud and then you see warning kind of be the beneficiary but remember even on that play I mean it was a great play at the defensive blue line by Jake Hanson to get the puck out and to start that play so um, I think if those other two guys kind of get it rolling again i think you know warning can kind of be the beneficiary of that yeah and i have to give uh justin hall a lot of credit on that play too i mean uh he definitely played that one to perfection to get the goalie to bite on you know the shot and that's what really freed up warning on that one i've given hall a lot of grief this year for some of his play but uh you know you have to give him credit on that one so props to him so any other thoughts on the saint cloud weekend uh, anything that no, pops out for you i mean obviously are you worried about the off, lack of offense? I mean, obviously their goalies were hot, but the offense has been kind of a story in the last month or so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, you know, if I get too concerned about that. You know, especially in the second half, teams are going to be more accustomed to playing together in, the, in their systems and, you know, what lines they're on. And, it, and people are buckling down more in the second half because, you know, every game means so much, and especially, obviously, in league play. So, you know, I don't know that I get too worked up about, you know, the amount of goals. Um, it's to me, are they getting opportunities? And it's something like we've talked about, you know, like with the week before and CC. I mean, sometimes you just have to give you credit to the other team's goalie. You know, I I think fans get a little bit, you know, oh, we're always just shooting right in the middle of his midsection. Well, I mean, if he's in position, you know, it's either that or sometimes, I mean, you know, if they're in the right spot, they're not going to give you a hell of a lot to shoot at. So you're either going to, hit them or you're going to miss the net, you know, and these guys aren't going to be plucking corners every single shot. So um, you have to give that other team credit too. 
Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the only concern a little bit might be Rao and just how, you know, he seems to have worn down a little bit after the, you know, he got off to such a great start and that was, you know, probably set the expectations maybe a little bit too high for people. But, um, you know, since the World Junior, I don't have the numbers, but I mean, he hasn't obviously been scoring as much. And, you know, you kind of throw out some of the games at the start of the year where the offense kind of got a little inflated, you know, the Sacred Heart games and they put up 10 goals against Vermont. And, you know, ever since then, you know, it's been a lot of, you know, two, three, four goals. So it's not like they've been a, you know, offensive juggernaut. But I think this team will be be fine in the postseason. I mean, obviously, Bugstead's going to be there, and like I touched on a little bit ago with Hanson Hulla kind of coming on, and you know, you're going to get that not necessarily an odd shorthanded goal, but you know, Matson and Condon. I think those guys will be pretty dependable down the stretch, and maybe get a goal a series from that line. But um, you know, I think you know, Raul and then to a lesser extent, Budish, you know, and the GPL Twitter feed that it's kind of going back and forth with a few people about the Budish and just the fact that a lot of people don't think he should be on that line or that he drags him down. But I, the total opposite. I mean, he's creates a lot of space out there and I think a guy like Budish and we'll touch on it when we preview this weekend series but once you get on the smaller ice sheets and you know we know that you know the regional and the you know final five those are all in those small ice sheets a guy like Budish can really open up a lot of space but um, again back to Rao I just think you know if he's a guy that can kind of regain that scoring touch and maybe get a you know kind of if he hit the freshman wall or whatever it is if he can kind of get that second win and get him going again maybe not at the clip that he was going at the start of the year but maybe a goal a weekend type pace um, you know, just getting that one extra goal a weekend, I think, is going to go a long way, considering how well the defense has come along. Uh, hopefully, the week off will be, you know, key with some of those guys getting uh, some of the legs back. And as far as Rao, I think he has. I looked at a goal and four assists in the uh, seven games that they've had since he came back from World Junior. So I mean, not terrible, but yeah, he's not putting the puck in the net quite at the same pace. Well, we took a week off from the podcast, and there was quite a few games that we could recap, but I figured we'll stick on the big ones that have happened in the past two weekends. Uh, obviously, uh, there might be some concerns up there in Duluth. You know, Michigan Tech comes in there a couple weeks ago, gets three points out of four. Then they head up to Anchorage, and obviously, you know, they've not always played well in Anchorage, but, you know, they, are, they were the number one team in the country, and they split with Anchorage. What's going on up in Duluth there, Cardinal? Well, it's not to be expected, but, I mean, if you take a step back for Duluth, I, mean, I don't think anybody, even the great drunk hockey guy, thought that this team would be, you know, ripping through the regular season and have, you know, the whatever it was, a 15-game unbeaten streak and three losses into the new year. I mean, they, you know, obviously they lost some pretty key parts from the team last year, and Mike Connolly and Justin Falk, but at the same time they brought back some nice parts, and I think most people predicted him to finish, you know, third, fourth in the WCHA. But um, I think, again, kind of like Raw with the hot start, it might have got inflated a little little bit and you know it could be one of those things where you know you see the competition on the schedule and you know Alabama Huntsville they kind of you know a couple one goal wins against them and then to you know obviously that Jack weekend to be four nothing ahead on Friday night and then to not score a goal the rest of the weekend and I think you know a split up at Anchorage is fine for any team I think given the you know the travel and whatever it's pretty rare that you see a team go up there and win a pair but I just think the team was maybe due for a little bit of a letdown and combined with who you see on the schedule but from a gopher standpoint, it's worked out very well because, you know, obviously the gophers, you want to win the league, but big picture wise, just to finish in the top two and hopefully win your first round series and get that buy at the final five. Um, you know, it seems like the gophers, if they can get a couple points this weekend, they'll be in a great position to do that. Thanks in large part to Duluth, not really taking advantage of kind of the you know soft stretch they've had here the last few weeks. And, 
you look at Duluth's schedule the rest of the way, I mean, this weekend's going to be no treat with, you know, North Dakota at home. And then they have, you know, a couple of road series in state against Mankato and St. Cloud. And in between that, a home series against Colorado College, who's playing pretty well. So, um, yeah, it seems like Duluth may have kind of missed out on taking advantage of that part of the schedule. And to be honest, it almost looks like the Gophers right now have an easier road to the finish line than the Bulldogs do in terms of uh, who's on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the big thing is, I've, you know, Connolly seems to have slowed down a bit in recent weeks. I think he's got like two points in our last four games. And obviously he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink up there. So that's, of course, very important. But I mean, yeah, for me, you know, obviously I'm not watching these games, so I can't say firsthand what's going on. But I would be, you know, I've talked about it before that I always get a little paranoid when my team goes on a really long stretch, unbeaten stretch during the you know, early to mid season. Cause you just say to yourself during that time, it's not going to last, you know, teams don't, you know, unless you're like main of whatever that year was 93 or I can't remember what it was, but you know, you're not going to go on rip off the stretch of just going undefeated pretty much the whole season. And you, you just think like, um, you know, in a way it might be, maybe it's good that Duluth goes through this now, as opposed to, you know, a month from now. And, but yeah, I think there's reason to be concerned. I mean, when you squeak by Huntsville a couple times at home and, you know, Tech gave them all they could handle, and, you know, granted, it is a nasty trip to uh, Anchorage, and, uh, you know, plenty of great gopher teams have split up there. It's Nonetheless, you know, you kind of expect that if you're, you know, Duluth's one of those teams, you kind of expect that they're just going to go up there and they're going to win. And uh, so, yeah, I think there's reason to be concerned. And like Ryan touched on, North Dakota this weekend is going to be very interesting. Uh, I think that uh, that's going to be very hard fought, and, uh you know, and Mankato's can be tricky at home, although I would expect uh, Duluth to win that kind of a series. But, yeah, I mean, I agree that if you look on paper right now, the Gophers have a bit of a, you know, advantageous schedule. I mean, they still have Denver and, and you know, uh, what is it? Uh, they have Bemidji at home, and uh, I can't remember who else they have off the top of my head. At but, uh, Omaha. Yeah, at, at Omaha, Omaha and then home to the Badgers. Yeah, and, you know, Badgers have been terrible on the road, and Bemidji's, you know, will probably be competitive, but uh, – you don't know what you're going to get with UNO. I mean, they could be good. They can be crappy. So, yeah, I mean, I've messed around a little bit on that uh, what-if calculator and, you know, pretty much everything that I've come, you know, put in there, I, you know, and I'm realistic about it. The Gophers still come out winning the league. So I, I like the where they're sitting, but you still have to prove it on the ice. Obviously, um, not too many other exciting series in the past couple of weeks. Uh, Wisconsin went up to North Dakota, got swept out of there. They come back home, get swept by St. Cloud. We have uh, Bemidji still doing very well against UNO. What are you guys' thoughts on any of these series that have happened in the last couple of weeks? Cardinal? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on the big ones. I mean, I think the biggest one that, you know, you briefly mentioned was the Wisconsin-North Dakota one. And, you know, at the time, Wisconsin was kind of heading in the right direction and, you know, had a pretty good run. Now, granted, they had some kind of softer teams built around the holidays, like a lot of teams do, including the Gophers most often. But, um, you know, they were getting going. And, you know, with this being such a young Wisconsin team, you thought maybe that, you know, things were kind of clicking for them and they have a really, you know, really good top line. And, and, you know, they got the McCabe kid back on defense and they were kind of getting it going there. But, um 
um, you know, the wheels have completely come off here the last few weeks, and they have a you know pretty difficult finish too. I think they are they're off this week, and then they're at home against Denver, and then you know it's tradition. I think they always have some sort of Wisconsin high school thing or whatever. I know Eves always complains about it that they always have to finish the season on the road, but they're at Bemidji and then at Minnesota to close the season. So I think you know, and conversely, North Dakota. I mean, they've obviously been hot as well, and they kept it going. So um, it looks like North Dakota is going to probably get home ice now, and it looks like Wisconsin's going to be uh, they're not just going to have their final four regular season games on the road, but they're going to be uh, on the road to start the playoffs as well. Yeah, I was very surprised at how bad Wisconsin looked against, you know, St. Cloud's undermanned, you know, but you don't expect to get pretty much blown out on home ice five to one to an undermanned team. I don't care, you know, young or not or whatever. I mean, that was a pretty shocking game for me. I was like, wow, you know, I did not expect that. And um, when I look at their schedule, it would not surprise me if they win like maybe one game for the rest of the year. I mean, they do have, you know, they've been crappy on the road and having Denver at home, you know, Denver's going to be a, a difficult task, certainly just as difficult. I mean, going to be more difficult than the St. Cloud you would expect on paper at least. And so, um, yeah, if I, if I were a Badger fan, this would not be looking pretty right now. Well, what about Michigan Tech? They're still hanging around there. They're tied with North Dakota right there in the middle of the pack. Uh, do you think they might still have a chance of sneaking in a one of those last home ice spots? Well, I mean, you look at their schedule, and it's not. I mean, they can it's four and four, four games at home, four on the road, and you know, Omaha and St. Cloud at home, and then two really tough trips at North Dakota, and then out at Colorado College to you know kind of close the season. But I mean, you look at the standings right now, and you know, Tech obviously, you know, like you said, they're right in that middle of grouping, and um, you know, they play some of these teams that they're going to have to beat out. So I mean, they've hung around this far, and you know, again, the ten eight and two is so basically a five hundred team, but. I mean, this isn't that great of a version of the WCHA. I mean, I think if you had to grade the league this year in terms of strength, I mean, I don't think there's any great teams. And, you know, obviously the Gophers and Duluth and, you know, maybe North Dakota creeps into that conversation with how well they're going. By the end of the year, they could be some really good teams. But, I mean, you know, it's not like this league is going to get five teams into the, you know, NCAA tournament or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why Michigan Tech, I mean, you look at the teams behind them and, you know, Omaha, and they're tied with Omaha, but, you know, St. Cloud, Bemidji, Wisconsin. I mean, I don't see any of these teams making you know some huge charge to kind of overtake them so between the fact that tech's been solid and there's nobody really behind them making some you know super hard charge to the finish line um yeah why not i think that'd be awesome and good for those guys if they're able to uh have somebody come to houghton for the first round yeah i really believe they're going to sneak in uh, you know in that fifth or sixth spot and get the you know the one of those uh, home ice uh, you know, spots. I just really feel like, you know, for me, the one that I question the most at this point is Omaha because I just think that they're so inconsistent and up and down that um, you just don't know what you're going to get from them. And they just don't, whenever I've seen them, they just don't look all that inspired or put together for, you know, especially a blaze led team. And, and so um, with the way North Dakota has been playing and, you know, tech's going to be, you know, schedule or not, they're going to, they're a team that clearly is, I got a new attitude and he's going to battle. And so I, I expect them to be in there for home ice. Well, there's been quite a few little news bits that have happened in the last couple of weeks since we last had our podcast. Uh, probably the biggest thing I would say, um, Joel Maturi is going to not be renewed. He'll be done at the end of June. Um, what are you guys thoughts on this? I mean, uh, they, people have been thinking for a while he wasn't going to be renewed, but, uh, it's official now. There will no longer be Joel Maturi running the athletic department. 
Well, I mean, I think, you know, I always, for the, for the hockey fans, I mean, other than, you know, maybe some of the changes in the, you know, in the stands and the stuff like that, that for me personally has not been a big deal, but I, for other people has been a big deal. And he's been pretty good for gopher hockey. So, I mean, he's, you know, been part of the, I think, uh, the NCAA kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he's always been a big supporter of the gopher hockey program. And of course, he is for all the athletic programs. But, you know, he's always been there for the hockey. And uh, so, I, you know, I thought he did a pretty good job overall. I mean, he made some glaring errors, obviously, in some of the sports, especially football. And that's going to be the one that, you know, people stick on him the most. But um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do for the next person. You know, if it's going to be somebody that's, got any kind of you know hockey background or not and I, I don't really I mean we had this discussion on uh, USCHO about you know the next guy and you know if he's gonna be more focused on football and how that's gonna affect hockey and whatever and I really don't believe you know when you it's one of your cash cows you know you have three teams that are really making you money and you're not gonna ignore the ones that you know make you money so I, yes football will always be the most important because it's the one with the most financial upside but um, hockey will not be forgotten, and plus the boosters and the alumni are way too um, involved with the hockey program to expect like that's gonna. You know, they would definitely have their voice heard. So I, I it'll be interesting to see who the next guy is. I think that uh, people may have been a little too hard on Maturi when it comes to the coaching <laughs> and the football. I mean, we have not had a successful program in fifty years. I mean, really. I mean, they've been good a few times, but really they haven't been relevant since, like, 1960. So I, I I, don't put so much on them with football. This has been a terrible program essentially since the Vikings arrived. So I guess I don't have as much a problem with them on the football side. Yeah, and that's one thing where, you know, I don't have as big of a kind of a macro view of the U as maybe Hammy can speak to and, you know, with Maturi. But just you know, like you said with the football thing, I mean, Sid, that's one thing where he kind of harps on it and whether he's right or wrong in terms of the, you know, kind of the president or whomever of the school, you know, actually backing the football program like other schools do in his mind. I mean, the fact remains, like you said, that, you know, the football program has been terrible for 50 years. And, you know, it's it's pretty rare where you see a terrible football program at a you know major conference go from being, you know, towards the bottom of the standings to consistently being in the top of the standings. And it's kind of that's a pretty tough thing to turn around. And I guess that's that way in almost any sport. I mean, you look in hockey. And, you know, pretty much every year at the bottom of the WCHA, you're going to be able to peg who those teams are. And that's the same thing for Big Ten basketball or, you know, ACC basketball or whatever. It's just it's a very tough thing to do. And you have to, you know, really catch magic in a bottle. And I think the way I think the thing that hurt him the most was not that Brewster failed, but it's the way he failed with the whole rah-rah and all that BS about going to the Rose Bowl and Pasadena and just the way he flamed out and how easy he was to take shots at that. And that kind of came back on Maturi. And I think if Brewster would have been, you know, more of the Jerry Kill mold where maybe Kill will succeed, maybe he won't, but he's not so hateable, I guess, in the eyes of fans, then, you know, I don't think Maturi would be taking as nearly as much flack as, you know, he has in recent weeks or recent days, I should say, with the, um, you know, his resignation, firing, whatever you want to call it, uh, obviously happening pretty soon. Well, Maturi's going to be moving on. Hopefully, obviously, we get somebody who's pro hockey in here, and we'd love to see many changes. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about some possible changes at Mariucci, you know, scoreboard, blah, 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 this and that. And uh, for the first time in, I don't think I ever remember, Lucia actually mentioned this on his radio show, how it's time to upgrade Mariucci. <laughs> 
You know, I heard it on many different outlets. I heard it on the radio. I heard it on TV. Um, this is kind of the first time that he's spoken out about this. You know, we need a new scoreboard. We need a new player area, new weight room, um, just improvements all around. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? I mean, is it something that Lucia is going to have to push or are we just going to be kind of host for a couple of years because basketball is getting the big push, you know, with practice facility and everything else? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with Lucia in that, you know, I don't travel quite as much anymore due to my job, but just in going to seeing other arenas and, um, you know, what other programs have to offer. I mean, there definitely needs to be improvements at Mariucci, even though it is, you know, relatively new, but yet, you know, what, it's 20 years old, basically. But um, the thing I worry about, I don't know how much of this is tied to Maturi or where this kind of gets clogged up, but it just seems like all these big endeavors by the U to do things, whether it's the baseball stadium or the, you know, Tubby Smith wanting the practice facility, it just seems like you hear about these things forever and ever, and they don't get done. Now, granted, you know, improving Mariucci isn't the same scale as a new, you know, baseball field or, a, you know, new building or facility. And you'd think with the money that hockey makes, I know Lucia kind of alluded to this in the um, on his radio show on 1500, that it shouldn't be a huge deal. But I, I just worry with the U, and especially with, you know, a change at the top, and who knows, you know, there's obviously going to be bigger fish to fry. And I just worry that even though he's 100% right, that this might not be something that comes to fruition for quite a while and that's been my biggest concern as well you know i'm glad that he's starting to talk about it but it might go on deaf ears you know especially with a new guy coming in it just we might be stuck for a few more years well i mean i think it's one of those cases where a coach has to be an advocate for what his program needs so speaking up you know i think that is very smart to do i mean if he's not going to speak up and say hey we need improvements then who's going to you know Mm -hmm. fans aren't you know alumni aren't i mean they're the ones that use the arena every day in the weight room and all that kind of stuff and if they're not saying anything obviously nobody else is going to say anything so yeah it's it's very smart to be outspoken about it um you know, like Cardinal touched on, the things that Lucia suggested, they're not like massive, you know, undertakings in some respects at least. Uh, I don't know what, when he talks about, you know, renovating things for the players, you know, downstairs and in the wake room stuff. I mean, I don't imagine that, that those would be, you know, that difficult to do. I mean, the scoreboard obviously would be, you know, I would imagine a pretty pricey thing. And, you know, so some of that stuff I think is relatively doable without a lot of push i mean but then again i'm not down there doing the pushing so it's who am i to say but i think that um you know i i understand i mean obviously the baseball and the basketball stuff is going to take priority and those of course are going to have going to need a lot more you know fundraising the way i look at it though is when you have like somebody like lou nanny that's obviously a big booster of the program and you know he's going to have you know, possibly three grandsons going through the program here in the near future. Um, you gotta, you'd have to think like for him, it would be important that they have the best, you know, opportunities for training and whatever else. And I would imagine that you know, guys like that would probably be able to get behind uh, what Lucia is saying and maybe help him, you know, get some of those things accomplished. You know, I've heard some of the things that they've thought about doing, like in the player areas downstairs. I mean, some of that even includes possibly expanding the locker room area all the way over down towards where the visitor locker room is and move the visitors back to one of the other locker rooms. So they're thinking about really expanding the area down there and give themselves a little bit more room. Um, And the same kind of with the weight room. You know, the weight room is kind of, it's upstairs, it's out of the way. Uh, There's a lot of things they could probably do with that as well. 
Another thing I heard was, you know, to get a sound system that would sound decent, they need to spend about a million dollars just for a sound system that would work in that arena. Um, (laughs) So obviously that's quite expensive just for a sound system. So it may be a while. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, a million dollars just for a decent sound system. Yeah, know, like, I mean, something that you would hear at, you know, like at Amsoil or up at the Ralph, you know, something that actually you can hear throughout the entire arena. Sounds good. You could feel it. And it's not like a PA system that they kind of have now. Well, my feeling on it, quite honestly, and this is probably not, you know, a fan friendly perspective, but the things that are more about, you know, the game environment, I think should be kind of second to what can you put into, you know, the players and, and what what's going to attract recruits, things of that nature, because ultimately that's what's most important. And certainly you want the fans to enjoy themselves, but let's face it, you know, if you're winning games, fans generally are willing to overlook some of the, you know, the negative stuff. And so to me, investing in anything that's going to be related to the players is going to be at the top of the list. And then, you know, the stuff with the scoreboard and, and the sound system that maybe takes a little more investment. I mean, um, that to me, you can maybe put off a little bit longer as much as we would like to have it be great. Um, you know, I just think that you have to have priorities on that stuff. And I think, you know, the other side to that coin, though, and not that I have a ton of insight on this, but just working for the Vikings, you know, we face some of these same battles. And I think if obviously the recruiting stuff and getting a weight room that's better or whatever would be better for that side. But I think a lot of these other ones and whether it's the, you know, those ribbon boards around the inside of the arena or a new board, I think a lot of that can be, yeah, it's going to cost X, but if it can help your advertising and you can get revenue back off that, um, you know, I think that might register at a higher level at the U with people that are more focused on the bottom line versus, you know, the intangible stuff of a weight room with recruits. I mean, I know we understand that as fans, that that should be more important, but if there's a salesperson or whomever that can say, if we have this kind of, you know, nav or whatever, you know, the ribbon around the arena and we can, yeah, I can present scores, but we can sell it to company X, Y, and Z, and we can generate the money back quicker. You know what I mean? I think that kind of viewpoint can kind of hold water too with people, and especially at the U where, you know, obviously these days they're looking to get every last penny they can out of the, you know, the three main revenue generating sports. So I think, you know, while I agree with you that, you know, the stuff that's more hockey related is for sure more important, I just think the other kind of stuff that resonates with the bottom line a little bit more could be, you know, bumped up on the priority list. Oh, I mean, I totally agree with, you know, with that take. My The only reason I didn't mention something like that is because Lucia, at least in the article I read, that wasn't mentioned, you know, the scoreboard, the ribbon score, whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, anything that's obviously going to increase your revenue opportunities, certainly that would be willing to, you know, you're going to, you should invest in those kinds of things. I mean, it's just business sense. And hopefully, you know, the you kind of sticks to their word on, on what they're going to do with this extra money that they're getting for all the seat money. Well, it's, I think starting next year with all these extra fees, you know, two, three hundred dollars for a seat in a certain section. I mean, they say once they start collecting that money that they'll start making improvements. So hopefully they make good on that promise. Well, they better. I mean, that's I know, <laughs> you know, I mean, fans are not going to be very happy if they see the same old, same old after, you know, having their prices jacked up that much for a seat, you know, for the priority seating or so. I, I mean, I think it would be a huge mistake if they didn't, you know, at least show some improvements, you know, after they start collecting some of this money. Okay, well, we've got a few questions, and I thought this might lead into another 
topic, but uh, Mr. Jake P. on Twitter is wondering, have you heard any more on the Excel being a possible site for the Big Ten tournament? Obviously, some news came out this week that, you know, it's the Big Ten might not want to go to the arena arenas for their tournament and that they may want to go to the X. I think this kind of started with Wisconsin having a lot of potential conflicts and stuff like that, but it sounds like that they may want to go to the X and maybe to uh, Detroit for their tournament. What do you guys think? Well, for me, I always thought that that was, I didn't, I mean, I don't know how Cardinal felt, but I thought that the, how they originally talked about doing it was a mistake from the beginning. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think, you know, and I'm obviously we're going to look at it from an Excel perspective, but to me, um, you know, we've seen, granted, you know, we can't expect it to be exactly like the final five, but nonetheless, you know, we've seen how great that environment can be. Um, I do believe that this is a you know great college hockey market. I can't speak for Detroit. It seems like they have some decent attendance numbers for the CCHA tournament, but um, and you know I don't know how they're planning on you know if it's going to be an alternating or if they're just going to do it Excel for a little bit and then go or you know I don't know how they're planning on doing it. But I always thought it was a big mistake from the beginning to just do it on campus sites um, because you know other conferences are not going to look at it that way. And you know I think it would have been a, you know from a uh, attention standpoint, a big mistake to have, you know, like the NCHC coming to Excel, you know, and, you know, probably getting decent crowds. Granted, you know, we saw what they might have to face last year at the Final Five. The tenants was way down when basically North Dakota was the biggest draw. And, you know, they, their attendance for the Final Five was down like, I don't know, twenty or 30,000 compared to like, you know, three, four years ago. Um but, you know, nonetheless, you're basically allowing them all the attention and, and one of your key markets, and uh, that, I think, would have been a big mistake. And so uh, the idea that they're going to be at Excel now, you know, possibly at Excel, I think that that kind of usurps uh, any kind of competition, and uh, so I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I didn't have a huge, you know, problem with it either way, but I think, you know, just in kind of looking at some of the other smaller conferences, you know, when you see a you know, conference tournament game being played on somebody's home rank, it just kind of has a junior varsity feel to it. And even if there might be, you know, financial or logistical reasons why that might make some sense, I think, I mean, you do it in an NHL arena and be big time with it. And like Cammy said, I mean, if it kind of thwarts off the national or whatever the faggot and they want to call themselves, so be it, that's fine. But <laughs> I, think, I think the bigger point is just that it helps, you know, with the Big Ten theme. I mean, if you're the Big Ten and these schools are all printing money to some degree when it comes to the hockey programs and, you know, that is going to be the big time conference. I think it just kind of makes it seem kind of small potatoes to put it, you know, especially if it's going to be at Penn State's rink or somewhere where, yeah, it's going to be a nice rink, but it just doesn't have any cachet or tradition or anything like that. I mean, put it at the X or, you know, Joe Lewis, that's fine. Or if you want to get on some sort of rotating deal, even, you know, nationwide in Columbus, and you know, it's kind of, it's not, you know, the same as the X or the, the Joe, but I mean, it's in the mix of them and in an area where, you know, you're going to have teams, you know, obviously every team is going to be there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I hope they go with the big arena decision. I think it'll, uh, think it'll work well. Well, plus a lot of it has to do with planning. I mean, you may be waiting till the last week of the season to know where the tournament's going to go. I mean, if they, if they wanted to do what they originally wanted to do. So I think at least knowing that year where you're going to go would be a, a big advantage over, hey, we don't know if we're going to Yoast or if we're going to, you know, Mun or wherever. It's That would be quite complicated. Um, well, I think from a, from a ticket sales standpoint, too, though, from what I saw for the setup, all six teams are going to be 
you know, there. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of where I was going and, with and that. So, yeah, and so it's like, you know, you know your team is going to be there, and, and odds are, you know, they're going to be selling ticket packages, so you know that, you know, you're going to be buying ticket packages. So, you know, you, maybe the att- – I don't know what the attendance might be. I mean, it's, that's pretty difficult to predict. But, you know, you know that you're going to be selling tickets in that kind of a situation. And, and obviously for – from a financial standpoint, that's really what you want. And, and one of the differences, though, is even with the Final Five, is even though you know Minnesota wasn't there the last couple of years and Wisconsin wasn't there as well last year, there were still a lot of Minnesota fans that were there because they buy a season ticket package. You're one of them, aren't you, Cardinal? Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah, were I there, don't... and there's. I mean, I, I think a lot of Minnesota fans did sell their tickets to, to Sioux fans and whatever, but it would be a completely different thing if Minnesota was never going to be there. So if the national tried to get to the X, it would be a completely different situation than the WCHA final five without Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I know we had talked to you last year, kind of when the rumors of all this, or, you know, maybe it was the summer, I can't remember all the, all the timeline and all that stuff went down, but just with our group that, you know, even if the big 10, you know, wasn't here or whatever in the national or whatever, you know, was that we'd probably keep our tickets for that just to watch good college hockey. But like you said, I think we'd be in the vast, vast minority on that and that most people would, you know, rather not, and they would just, you know, watch on TV or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think you're spot on with that. All right, moving on. Let's uh, let's get into this week. Um, the WCHA. Obviously, we got a almost a full slate of games this week. Uh, let's kick it off with uh, UNO heading up to Michigan Tech, guys. Um, UNO up and down. Michigan Tech tied with them in the points. Uh, I'm seeing maybe a split here, or maybe even three points for Tech. Hammy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I. You know, I've obviously mentioned earlier, I haven't been a huge fan of Omaha this year in a way that they've been so inconsistent. And uh, it seems like, you know, for the most part, when I look at their schedule, you know, what they've played so far, it seems like one game they're, you know, they'll play relatively well and the other game they'll play crappy or they'll play pretty mediocre. And um, I think it's pretty hard to, you know, expect that they're going to walk into, uh, you know, Houghton and the you know, sweep them or, you know, but I would think at best it's going to be a split. I like the way Tech, you know, plays and they're real pesky and, and certainly they have a lot of, you know, a lot more fire this year. So, yeah, I, I honestly would expect that Tech's going to get, you know, probably, you know what, I'll go with the sweep. I think Tech might sweep them. Mm, okay. Yeah, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't be a huge shock. I just think right now Omaha's goaltending is just so hit and miss, and if you don't have that kind of goaltending, I don't think you can really go on the road and expect to have a lot of success, especially this late in the year going against a, you know, a team that's kind of equal to you or fighting for a spot. It's not going to, you know, Mankato or, you know, somebody that's pretty much locked into the bottom of the standing. So I'd say uh, three points for Tech, but obviously, you know, that's not far off from the sweep. So, yeah, I think the, uh, the Huskies will do fairly well this weekend. Then we have CC heading up to Bemidji State. Cardinal. Well, this is, uh, you know, it's kind of a, CC's been, you know, a little bit up and down, but they've had kind of a tough schedule. I mean, but you look at last weekend, they get three out of four points from Denver, and, um, you know, Denver is getting, you know, health, and they had Sam Britton, we'll obviously touch on that in a little bit, but, um, you know, for Bemidji, you know, they're kind of in the mix, you know, they need, you know, pretty strong finish if they're going to make a push for home ice or anything like that, but um, we'll see what CC's made of. They're, the goaltending, the kid, the, I can't forget his name, the, 
kid that uh, went against the Gophers, the Thornbird. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. been legit, and so I think they're kind of built to go on the road. And again, they're I don't want to say similar to the Gophers, but you know they kind of have that no name decor. Where they, you know they obviously have Gabe Gensel, but past that, there's not a lot of household names. But you know they have some pretty high end forwards, and they have a goalie who's been really really good. So um, I'd say they'll probably go up there and split. It's kind of you know the small ice and CC. They're not really built for that, but um, obviously the CC has the vast edge in talent. So yeah, I'll say a split. Yeah, I I agree with that. You know, the I, I the one thing I guard against it, and this is kind of what the Gophers will face is, you know, what's the effect of you know coming off of your biggest rival series going to have on you know on your team? And so, you know, when you is CC going to be you know have a letdown coming on the road against you know not exactly one of the WCHA powers? And you know, are, are they going to go in there? And I mean, I don't think they'll underestimate them necessarily, but it's only natural maybe to have a little bit of a a letdown mentally, you know, after you've had a big series against your biggest rival and how's that going to affect you? Um, So I would think that Bemidji should come out of that series with at least a win. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if they get more than two points, just because I am a little bit leery of uh, that letdown factor. Does anybody care about Mankato heading up to Anchorage? No. (laughs) I don't think their fans even care. I mean, neither of them draws more than 100 fans a game, I think, so... Oh, you know, I did watch some of that AA uh, Duluth games last week, and I mean, they've got the number one team in the country in their barn, and there's nobody there. Uh, you, you hear a couple, cow- you hear individual fans cheering, yeah. and obviously the cowbells, and it's just they can't get anybody to show up. And obviously with Mankato, it's well, maybe to be about the same. Maybe they just don't know or care up there. Well, I, I saw a little bit of the uh, you know one of the recent Mankato games, and it looked. Pretty empty in that rink, and so yeah. Oh, at Mankato. Oh yeah. Okay. And it, I mean, it was like on one of those what Channel Thirteen. I don't mm-hmm. know whatever that mm-hmm. station is, but I mean, it was pretty empty, and it was. I was like, wow, that's not good. Well, let's just say split up there then. Good enough. Sounds good. Um, pretty big series. North Dakota heading up to Duluth. Um, I believe their Friday game is on CBS. Sports Network or something like that. I believe it's on one of those national stations. Uh, Hammy, what are your thoughts on this series? Well, I mean, it'll be very interesting. I mean, it, you know, this is one of those things for, I think, for UMD where you kind of have to, you know, it might be one of those turning point kinds of points of the season where you're like, okay, you know, we've been kind of slumping a little bit, and, you know, here comes a team that's kind of done real well, from what I understand at least, in Duluth in recent years, and, you, you know, now's the time to stem the tide, and and uh, is that going to happen or not? You know, North Dakota's obviously been you know doing much better, and uh, I personally think this will probably end up being a split. But uh, you know, I think that you know UMD has to watch out in this series because if they get swept, you know, it, it's one of those things like we talked about earlier with confidence and uh, momentum, and you know, when you're going into the last month of the season, the last thing you want to do is you know when you're what losing you know three or four out of your last five games or whatever if they get swept you know that's just that's not a good sign so I, but i'm gonna say it's gonna be a split yeah i'll pretty much echo what hammy said and just you know it's kind of anecdotally north dakota seems to do pretty well against duluth and um you know until this obviously heading in the wrong direction right now and the sewer kind of heading the other way so um, you know, North Dakota had the last week off, so I don't know if that's good for a team at this point in the year where you're kind of getting some momentum going. If you'd rather just keep playing and we'll kind of see how they bounce back from that, you'd 
probably think it's good for North Dakota just because they seem to have a lot of the nagging injuries. You know, a few of the guys are, you know, like Grimaldi are for sure done for the year, but it seemed like they had a lot of guys like Forbert and, you know, Mario Lammer who was battling something. So some of these guys that, you know, probably definitely use the week off. So, yeah, like Hammy said, it's a tough spot for Duluth in a way. I mean, Duluth's not that their backs are against the wall or you don't want to overreact like that. But um, if things go south this weekend, you know, then I think they have four of their last six on the road and, you know, things start to get a little bit dicey. But I think, you know, I think Duluth will be ready and they were due for a little bit of a soft spot with how well they have been playing. And, you know, I think they'll definitely be ready and I wouldn't be surprised if they come out smoking on Friday night and maybe North Dakota gets them on Saturday. But, yeah, I'd say a split. Lamaru's right. battling ugliness is what he's battling. <laughs> <laughs> Ugly stick. Oh, wow. Ugh, shudder. Um, <laughs> finally, that gets us to Minnesota heading out to Denver. Um, Friday night, the game has been moved back a little bit due to some uh, television. It's going to be on the NBC Sports Network nationally and obviously on FSN uh, all and, weekend. Uh, and Jupe, real quick on that, I was uh, doing a little insighting with a person close to the situation. And for those that are not big fans of the FSN broadcast crew, mm-hmm. um, TSN's Gord Miller will be calling the game on the NBC Sports Ooh. Network. And it will be on the air here. I know a lot of times in a situation like this, the national broadcast is blacked out and you're forced to watch the local one. But uh, according to the uh, reports, it'll be uh, Gord Miller. So those looking for maybe the best play-by-play guy outside of Doc Emmerich, he will be uh, calling the Maroon and Gold game on Friday night on NBC. Well, I am probably will listen in there then. Um, Me too. Um, actually, FSN, both games are on <laughs> FSN Plus this weekend, so have fun trying to find it. Um, well, um, Minnesota is 92-69-12 overall with Denver, um, but the last 10 have been pretty ugly. Denver's 8-2 and two against Minnesota in the, in the last few years. Um, looking at some other stats here. Uh, Lucia has not fared very well against Denver. So uh, we've struggled at this time of the year <laughs> against Denver. They seem to always get us pretty good there lately. Um, what are your thoughts, guys? Well, I mean, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. You know, what, you know, how's Denver going to react, you know, after getting, you know, close to being swept by uh, their biggest rival? you know, and this last weekend and are they going to be angry about it? Is there going to be, you know, kind of a letdown emotionally because it, you know, you do get up for your biggest rival. It, it's difficult to say. I mean, I was looking at uh, their schedule of recent, you know, and they've been winning, but teams that they've been playing have not been, you know, all that imposing. You have Huntsville, you have Bemidji, you have, you know, Alaska before this past weekend. And, so you kind of say, well, was the winning because of the competition or is it because they're actually starting to get their act together and healthier a little bit? And um, it, it's it's hard to know. I mean, they didn't exactly get blown out of the rink this last weekend against CC, um, you know, 2-0 in a tie game. So, I mean, it's not like they played terribly. But uh, I, you know, I think the Gophers, you know, they've won four out of the last five. They seem to be finding themselves, especially on defense, and you kind of need that kind of a game on the road. So I suspect that uh, the Gophers will come out of this with a split. Yeah, and I think you know one of the reasons the Gophers have struggled you know against Denver under Lucia is that traditionally Denver's had the edge in net, and that you know you look the last they had that what three year stretch against Chevry where he, they got shut out like every single time, and they scored one goal. And I mean, even some of those Gopher teams are actually okay, and they just 
whatever reason they ran into Chevrolet and they just had no answer. But, you know, you look at this time and, um, you know, see Britain's played one game the last few weekends and just reading between the lines, it didn't sound like Lucia thought he'd be playing both games this weekend, though obviously he doesn't always, you know, have the complete insight on that. But um, so hopefully, you know, Britain only plays one of the two. But even if he does, I mean, the Gophers now with Patterson for sure have the edge. I mean, Britain might be the better goaltender long term, but, you know, coming off a major knee injury in the middle of the season versus a guy who's been rock solid from start to finish. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Denver's has some pretty skilled forwards up front. Their blue line doesn't have a lot of stars on it, but they seem to be a pretty solid group. I got, they got the, you know, the Ryder kid back last week. And that's a name that it seems like he's been at Denver for 10 years. Like he's just one of those guys that it seems like Denver and CC, maybe because we don't see him that often. Or they're not always in the kind of the news cycle, like North Dakota and Duluth, that they have these guys and it just seems like they're there for ages. But, um, you know, but he's a guy that's, you know, kind of a key guy for them to get back, just kind of a plugger back there. But um, yeah, it's, I think if the Gophers can just go out there and get two points in any way, shape, and form, they're in great shape the rest of the way. Just Again, you don't want to take things for granted, but you know they have some pretty winnable home games against Wisconsin and Bemidji, and then a trip to Omaha that on the surface doesn't look like it's going to be too terribly difficult. And you know, again, like Lucia said, if they can get a few points from Denver and you know not lose four this weekend to them, um, you know they keep that space in the standings, and it's going to make it pretty tough for Denver to you know climb the ladder and get to them. So um, I think just go out there, play solid, get two points, however you can get it. Anything more than that is awesome. And then, you know, you come home and not it's not a cakewalk to the finish line. But, you know, I think this is easily the toughest series the team has left. Have we heard if Bo Bennett's going to be back? I haven't heard. I haven't been paying too much attention. I know he's been out for a little while. And it was roughly going to be, I think, six to eight weeks when he got hurt. And I think this is like his eighth or ninth week being out. So, you know, he's got to be close to being back. I haven't heard, though. Have you guys heard? I haven't. I'll try to just do a quick search on Twitter and nothing really popped up. So I'm not sure. I think Wednesday, I know obviously Minnesota meets the media tomorrow. So I think I would assume that most teams are kind of on that same calendar. So hopefully, you know, Guazdecki will maybe, I mean, obviously with hockey injuries, especially if you get close to the playoffs, they always play things pretty close to the vest. But, um, you know, hopefully there'll be some sort of news leaking out when he uh, he meets with the media tomorrow. Uh, Twitter question here from Mace to Base. Do you think having a break after the St. Cloud sweep will take a lot of steam away from the Gophers heading into the Denver weekend? I personally don't. I know that sometimes, you know, I, there's you see it happen both ways, so it's kind of hard to judge for sure. But for for me personally, I think that if anything, you know, it gave them a time to you know get their get some rest and get their legs you know back to a hundred percent and. You know, I think that, you know, the season's a grind and, you know, they've been granted, you know, they just had a long break over the holidays. But nonetheless, you know, that when you're playing consistently, you know, week after week, I think that, uh, you know, there's not it wasn't like they were playing so hot that you're like, you know, oh, God, you know, we don't want a week off because we're just on fire. You know, they were playing well, but, you know, certainly um, I don't think it's going to be anything that should just, you know, you know, derail their their chances this weekend. Yeah, like Hammy said, I mean, it's one of those things where if you have the week off and you come out awesome, you can say, oh, we used it to rest up and our guys are healthy now. And if you come out poor, you can always kind of hear maybe the second or third thing Lucia would say, not making an excuse, but the week off, you know, we were a little rusty. So, and, you know, and like Hammy said, too, it's not like the team had won eight or nine in a row. I mean, they had struggled, you know, a good deal prior to that St. Cloud weekend and, you know, the split against CC in North Dakota and obviously the struggles in the non-conference games over the holidays. So, um, no, I don't think it's a big deal either way. Okay. Any other thoughts on the weekend coming up? Uh, not too much. I, I, 
we talked about, you know, as far as the future goes, I'd really believe, you know, if we can split in our two road series mm-hmm. um, for the rest of the season, the Gophers, you know, have a really good chance to uh, win the McNaughton, uh, you know, outright. And uh, so hopefully, you know, to me, those are the two key series, you know, left in the regular season, and we'll see how it goes. Well, they definitely control their own destiny. So it's it's been a while since that has been the case. So that's definitely something positive there. Hammy, do we have any recruiting news this week or anything in the last couple of weeks? Nothing, you know, nothing too much. You know, if you guys got who our Gopher recruits got their rights, you know, I mean, traded a bit, you know, like uh, Brzezinski went from uh, Des Moines to okay. like Muskegon, but nothing really serious as far as, you know, any new recruits. Uh, I don't know if you were going to touch on the uh, the North Dakota comments or whatever. Yeah, actually, that we have a question uh, via Twitter from Minnesota State of Hockey. He asks, can you guys discuss the recruiting changes proposed by Mr. Hackstall? I, I don't think you're a big fan of it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the, the I think, you know, basically the two things that the two major po- you know points that came out of it was, number one, you know, he wants to, you know, maybe open up the discussion to bring – you know, having uh, major junior players available for college hockey. And then the other factor was, you know, the gentleman's agreement, you know, kind of disregarding that, you know, or, I, you know, I don't have a problem so much with the gentleman's agreement thing, but I, I could see why a smaller school would, because they're the ones who are going to be most affected by that kind of thing. You know, if you recruit a good guy and that the big schools missed and, you know, all of a sudden they come poaching that, player at the 11th hour and it kind of leaves you scrambling uh that's not going to be a good spot to be in so you know i don't know about the gentleman's agreement thing i'm very much against allowing major junior players in college hockey i first of all i think that you're talking about a small percentage of cases that you know players say i'm going to go to this school and then they renege and go to you know to major junior i mean when you consider the amount of times that happens compared to the amount of guys that actually keep their word I don't think suddenly changing the whole system around is really worth it for that small number of, of situations. I think that's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I also think that you know, it would be a very negative impact thing for like the USHL, possibly you know, you know some of the, the youth levels as far as high school hockey or whatever, because suddenly you know you're not going to lose your college eligibility if you you know decide to go north of the border and play major junior hockey and. I, I think that that's bad and negative a negative impact for U.S. hockey overall, and so I just think that's very short sighted idea, and I don't like it. You know, he's a Canadian guy, so who the hell? <laughs> he's not going to give a damn about U.S. hockey, you know. But whatever. Yeah. But I, I just think it's a really bad idea. Yeah, and I agree with Hammy. I mean, much of what he said, and you you look at it from Hackstall's point of view, and both those things, you know, obviously North Dakota would, if you start allowing more Canadian recruits and major junior kids, North Dakota would probably have pretty good inroads there. And if you start allowing the gentleman's agreement thing to go out the window, North Dakota would be in a position to steal kids away from the smaller schools. So I'm not surprised that Hackstall wants both those things because they would both favor his school. So I'd be surprised if he didn't. But um, again, I think he's probably in the minority and I think you're going to see some changes, but um, you know, at the NCAA level, you don't see big time changes like that, allowing, you know, the, with the whole money aspect with major junior kids, I just don't see the NCAA switching their view completely on that. So, um, you know, he touched on it and I know Red Berenson was on the pipeline show last weekend and he talked about how college hockey Yanks doing a good job and he thinks there'll be some small changes along the way, but I don't think you're going to see anything really widespread like Hexel might want. 
Well, and that's the thing that gets me is that, you know, Hackstall, it's like how many times has Berenson dealt with this or some of the Eastern schools with, the, you know, the Quebec, Quebec major junior league? I mean, you know, he gets hit a couple times and all of a sudden he wants to change the whole system around. It's like, you know, he isn't even walked in even compared to somebody like Berenson who is, you know, getting guys plucked left and right from his recruiting classes and he's not asking to change the system entirely. And I, like I said, I think it's a little bit knee jerk and, and not necessary. Um, you know, I don't have a, a huge problem with the gentleman's agreement because from, from a gopher perspective, it's not really going to be a damaging thing for us, but um, and I think it's a little bit, while it's nice to have that kind of close-knit hockey community that's not going to do those kinds of things, you know, in major college sports, granted hockey's not as major as football or basketball, but nonetheless, you know, you see football all the time, guys, you know, making last-minute changes after a verbal. I mean, I think the Gophers lost a, you know, a last-minute recruit to uh, Iowa, you know, a defensive back or something. And, you know, that stuff happens all the time on those levels. They basically recruit the guy till he signs you know, so I don't really know if I have a real big problem with the gentleman's agreement thing. I could see both sides of the coin on that one. Okay. Um, we have one question via email um, from Frozen Four Champs. Which former gopher has surprised you in making the NHL debut this season? Ness, Fairchild, or Bickle? Obviously, Ness just made his, his debut tonight, didn't he? He did, Correct. yeah. The Islanders with a uh, their goalie made forty some saves against my Flyers squad, who is doing their perennial tank at this point. So, <laughs> uh, but I'll say probably Fairchild, just because the Ness really? thing. Well, Ness is with the Islanders, and nothing surprises me there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're such a wild card organization. But you look at St. Louis and. You know, Fairchild wasn't highly drafted, so the organization didn't have a lot of, you know, stock in him. And, you know, I think both situations were just, you know, kind of a rash of injuries. But I'll say Fairchild is based on the fact that the Islanders is always a crapshoot, and you never really know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, I actually will go with Ness being more surprising for me, mainly because, um, you know, I know that Fairchild, you know, he was pretty dinged up the last few years at the U, and he wasn't at, I don't think, full strength for much of his time at the, you know, the last few years. And, um, I, I, I'm not surprised that, you know, he, I think he's healthier now. He had his surgeries and all that stuff. And so I think that, uh, you know, he'll be able to, uh, you know, plus he was being coached by, you know, kind of a crappy position coach at the U at the time. And, um, <laughs> you know, so you get out from underneath that. And I think, you know, he's maybe shining a little bit more and showing what he can do. So I'm not really as, I understand, you know, depth chart stuff, could come into play you know i don't really follow that stuff as closely but you know for me ness is a little different just because you know he was always undersized and just didn't seem to have quite the same you know the i'm not at all surprised about bickle i mean he's got the size and you know kind of the the nhl guys like and he certainly you know throw the fists and play physical and all that kind of stuff but uh for me it's more ness than anybody else and i'm glad to see him make it don't get me wrong but uh um, yeah, he's the biggest surprise for me. Well, and obviously Bickle, he was only here, what, one year? Yeah. And he's been gone for a few years. So he's kind of a little more out of sight, out of mind than somebody like Anessa or a Fairchild would be anyway. So, All right, any other thoughts for this week, guys? Anything else you want to talk about? 
Uh, real quick, just uh, not how many people hear this before then, but Lucia will be on with uh, Paul Allen on uh, Wednesday morning at 9.30, so okay. I'm sure people okay. might not hear it live, but I uh, can definitely catch the uh, podcast version on KFAN, so a little uh, care from the head coach heading into a pretty big series. And obviously you'll be on probably on Thursday? Yeah, Thursday around uh, 10 o'clock, unless I, uh, unless I hear otherwise. So, And, of course, people can always follow you on Twitter at Ryan Cardinal. And Hammy, you have anything else? Nope. Uh, I don't have anything for You're you. good to go. Yep. And obviously, you can always follow Hammy. He's always writing on GPL and the message boards, giving updates on recruits and whatnot, and also follow him on Twitter at Hammy Hockey. I do have one thing. Oh, what's that? Penticton is going for their 30th, I believe, straight win tonight up in the BCHL, which has three gopher recruits and a number of mm-hmm. Minnesota kids on it. So uh, I think it's pretty special that a bunch of Minnesota kids, you know, which is the bulk of that team, is, uh, you know, they're up 4 nothing tonight, so it looks like they're going to break the record. And so they go up there and, break, you know, break a, you know, a longstanding record, and uh, that's pretty special. So congrats to those guys. All right. Um, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's GPL podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap the Denver series and preview the Bemidji State series. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time.